Have you dreamed of selling your own handcrafted or customized jewelry pieces? Do you wonder whether or not there's even a consumer demand for bright, shining objects? Well, consider this news. Worldwide, the global jewelry market is expected to increase from $230 billion to around $292 billion by 2025, with some projections going as high as $480 billion. Sounds exciting, right? Stay tuned, because in today's show, we're discussing how you could build an online jewelry business of your own. You're listening to the Sticky Brand Lab Podcast, where time-strapped professionals like you learn how to create a business you love in as little as three hours a week. Profit margins for jewelry are estimated to be around 25 to 75%. And unlike the electronics marketplace where everyone knows or can at least Google what a certain model of laptop should be selling for, jewelry has a perceived value. This is one reason it's such a great niche to get into. Another, you can sell online. And a third, you can sell directly to consumers, no middle person or retail salesperson needed. Hello and welcome aspiring side hustlers. Lori and Nola here to explore how you can turn your eye and talent for jewelry into a business. But before we get started, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you'll never miss out on our weekly, helpful, informative, and always opinionated podcast. Now let's get this wearable, fashionable, and profitable accessory business show started. For many female entrepreneurs, starting a business wasn't part of their career plan. In fact, we often hear, it sort of just made sense and became the next evolution on my career path. For Judy McNeil, that certainly was the case. A talented artisan with an entrepreneurial mindset, Judy started creating and wearing her unique and beautifully crafted jewelry to work. Before long, friends and colleagues noticed her pieces and asked about purchasing them. Shortly thereafter, Judy left her corporate career and launched QB's Magnetic Creations. What started as a side business has now become her primary business. With a meticulous eye for detail, Judy has been making jewelry since 2009, but had the idea for the innovative brand back in 2007. Her company, she says, was born out of her desire to meet the needs of her customers by bringing them magnetic jewelry that is elegant, bold, and unique. Welcome to the show, Judy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Cool. Ooh, we're excited to have you. <laughs> yes. I personally love bright, shiny objects. <laughs> so this is awesome. <laughs> yes. And I'm a jewelry crafter myself. So this is a fun talk for me. So before we get into the specifics of entrepreneurship, can you tell us, Judy, what's the most entrepreneurial thing about you? The most entrepreneurial thing about me is that I just love trying to find ways to do things better. It just so happened that jewelry is what kind of took the forefront. Ever since I was younger, I just always looked at ways, how can I do this better? This works this way, but how can it work a different way? Just always been ingrained in me. You know, it's like, how can you do something better, different? It sounds like you are a natural at spotting opportunities. I am. (laughs) I am. I consider myself a natural at spotting opportunities and different ways to do things. Yes. That is an entrepreneurial mindset for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) For our listeners who don't really know about magnetic jewelry, can you explain what exactly that is? It's an alternative to the badge roll and the lanyard. That's how I started out. But with it being magnets, if you take and put magnets on jewelry, 
the, you're just not limited. You can put it and use it anywhere. So I just didn't like the fact that if you use a lanyard, it goes around your neck. If you use the badge reel, you're limited to where you have to try to place it, you know, and clip it on your clothing. So when I created my first one, I love the fact that I could wear it in the upper extremity, lower extremity, it just didn't matter. So that's what I like and love about the magnetic jewelry. It's just limitless. You can do so many things with it. So you took the idea for magnetic for those lanyards and you went way beyond that. Your magnetic jewelry pieces aren't just like work-related lanyards or anything specific in that way. They're fashionable pieces. Exactly. Now, how did that idea then turn into an entrepreneurial journey? When customers or when my coworkers or friends would ask me about the piece that I was wearing that was exclusive for me, I did the research. I went online because I believe in also being, you know, a resource for people. Can I find some place online where they can go and find these readily made? Well, what I did is when I did that research, I didn't find anything. But what I did find was that a void had been left open and there was nowhere to point them to. So that's when the wheel started ticking. Can I put this together? Can I fill this void? Can I fill the needs for the individuals that desire something different like what I had? So that's how it started. You know, I know a lot of times entrepreneurs, they create a product or a service and then they bring it forward. In my case, I had created something that for myself and the demand was there because I got compliments on it every single day. Sometimes that's the best way. Yeah, I think so. What I like about that is that it came from a heart of service. It came from a heart of offering. It turned into an income stream. I like that. Well, speaking of the heart, the name of your company has a personal meaning for you. Can you share that as well? Absolutely. QB's Magnetic Creations. QB's, that's my mother's name. It's actually spelled Q-U-B-I-E. Once I got the wheels in motion, I figured, okay, well, maybe I can do this. It was just a natural thing for me to name my company QB's. I don't care if I would have created a, a service shop, a tire shop. It wouldn't have mattered. It was always <laughs> going to be QB's, whatever. It has so much meaning. It's so meaningful before it even became a business here. You're keeping your mother alive every time you mention the name of your business. Exactly. That's exactly it. Because I just had this idea that when people purchase from me, not only am I going to be able to take some of my what I make and to donate it to help in different ways within the community, most importantly, her name was going to be uttered all over the world. That's really what I loved about it. It's like, you know, this is a way of me keeping her name just out there because her life was so significant. And I just thought, you know, even back then, people really wrote checks a lot more than they do now. And I was like, they'll be writing out her name. It's QB's abbreviated. It's still QB's. It gave me chills. I have a little goosebumps. No, that is so cool. Yeah, it's such a beautiful story. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I hate to bring us back to the technical aspects because that is so endearing, but you did build a business out of this, which is so cool. How did you decide on the e-commerce platform to sell your jewelry? I made the decision after I did the research, but there's nothing better than getting that good feedback from individuals that have used those platforms. So I looked at different e-commerce sites. I looked at Wix. I looked at Big Commerce, I think it is, and also Square. And then there was Shopify. So once I looked at all of them, looked at the pricing, that plays a big role. Even if something is much cheaper, that didn't signify to me that that was the best way to go. And Shopify was it for me. 
So can you tell us from your experience, did you find Shopify user-friendly and did you try any other platform before you got started? Well, I'm glad you asked that because initially I had a presence, I was doing in-person events. So my online presence was really at Etsy. And so I started there, but what I found was that when I had my product out there, Etsy took away from my goal of having that tied to QBs, right? Because when someone would say, well, where'd you get that? I got it from Etsy, Etsy, Etsy. So I really wanted to brand myself. Therefore, I deactivated my Etsy account. And then that's when I decided that I needed to do something different. So it was all part of my branding. I did not want to be the Etsy brand. That just you know wasn't a thing for me. So that's how I made that decision to go with a different platform, to go with Shopify. One of the things that people often talk about, especially if you're an artisan, is to go and use Etsy. Until you just said that people would say, I got it on Etsy and not on the name of the company that they got it Because they do good branding. <laughs> you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think about that all the time. I have bought off of Etsy. I've never used the name and I can't even recall the name of the artisans shops because I always just think Etsy. Absolutely. Oh, one of the things I really want to touch on is that with Shopify, I think it's pretty user-friendly. That's what I really like about it. But what I also found was that I took Shopify as far as I could with my level of expertise. And so I went out to on Fiverr to find someone that was often a service that could beef up my site and cut in some of that time, use their level of expertise to clean up my site. They did help me with some of that. So that's where I went initially. Now, since then, I've actually partnered with another company that is helping me with the whole branding uh, package. So my website looks different than when I started out initially. But I will say that with individuals starting out, you can always go to Fiverr and you can get individuals out there to get you started. Well, shifting direction just a little, establishing a business, what challenges did you face getting your business started online? With you asking me that question, it takes me back for all the years that I've been doing this. And I think back on some of the challenges that I faced. Imagine being an entrepreneur and having this big dream, you know, of doing something different. And you're also working full time. That is a challenge because what you find is that your dream is sitting on the back burner while you're helping someone else fulfill theirs. And so you have to figure out what is the best time to cut ties and just say, I'm really going to do this. I think that that was the toughest part for me, being on that ledge and being fearful of the landing. And sometimes you have to take that leap. And so that was the most challenging. Everything else, I think, will come into place. I I think as entrepreneurs, what we do is that we hear, even before we start our business, you always hear people saying, you know, well, you're going to be working 80 hours a week in your business and all of this kind of thing. And it can be scary. It's like, well, okay, I want to have a successful business, but do I want to spend my life working so much in my business that I just don't have a life? So what I found was that on this journey, there's nothing wrong with reaching out. There's so many different resources out there. Google now has taken us to a place where it didn't exist back many, many years ago. You can find good services. Wearing all those hats is what will keep you working in your business 80 plus hours per week. So do not be afraid to delegate and reach out for help. 
because there are so many people out there that are knowledgeable. An entrepreneur cannot specialize in every area. You want to be able to enjoy the journey. I just encourage people that even early on, be thinking about your team. How are you going to build your team? And so that's still something that as I grow and scale that I'm looking at, how do I continue to build my team? What does that look like? So keeping that in the forefront, it can be different for everybody, but what are those key pieces that you need to be successful? What was the deciding factor in jumping off the ledge and landing? The deciding factor was that I've worked in a corp in different places for a lot of years. And what I found was that I had this dream and I, I knew it wasn't ever going to be a reality as long as I was doing the work for someone else. So once I made up in my mind that me leaving the company I'd been with for years, that I was going to be okay, no matter what, I'm going to be okay, started working on my business plan. What does this look like? How can I do this? You know, looking at the numbers. So it was about me just parting ways with the company and looking out for the greater good, which was myself, you know, and trying to get my business to where I wanted it to be. And I knew that when you're working for someone full time, that's 40 hours a week. Your core hours are when you're needing to make those calls and you're needing to reach out to people. That's a big factor. You can't make all the connections and conduct all the business you need to within those core hours, because once you get off work, guess what? Those people are gone home. So it makes it difficult, have to make the decision and the time it has to be right for you. You talked about having a business plan to set sales goals. To us, the business plan was a roadmap. How did that help you with your branding, putting your team together, having your numbers for your sales? It helped me because what it did was take, for instance, I'd be on a webinar or an in-person event or whatever. I had all of these ideas where I could sell, how I could sell it. All of my notes that I had put into one place. So I had a plan. So that business plan really is just a guide. That business plan, I think is key. Even when looking at numbers, how many do I have to sell in order to sustain and not being able to work for someone else? Because you have jewelry, visually, it's really important to showcase that. And I remember you had some challenges in showing off the images for your jewelry. Can you talk a little about that and what you learned? It is important when you have jewelry, no matter what it is, to showcase someone wearing the piece. Because what I found was that I could take a picture of my magnetic jewelry, but to someone that wasn't familiar with what I had, they didn't know how to use it. So I would use models. I've used family and different people to just kind of wear it. I've actually used customers. When they would purchase from me, I'd get a quick snapshot of them wearing the piece so that when people see it, they can see it actually being used. And that is really important because it can do so many things. But how do I capture that? Even from the lighting and taking pictures, you just educate yourself on how the best way to use your phones and your devices, because there's so many different tips and corners out there. So how do you deal with rejection? When I am at my booth, when I'm in person, there are going to be People that are initially, they may not know what it is. And I tell them it's not just jewelry. It's so much more. I can walk them through. And in the end of it, they may not purchase from me. And that's okay. Word of mouth is powerful because no matter what, they still walk away with an experience. And I think for individuals, you still want to always build that relationship with individuals because if you let it get you to a point, disappointment can show on you visually. People don't always make split decisions. 
you have customers. It's about knowing who they are. You can tell who's interested in what you're talking about. They may not make a decision right then, but you've planted that seed. And a lot of times they'll come back, leave them with that experience of who you are because you are your brand. And I carry that with me no matter where I am. You are your brand, so represent it well. Disappointment, take that and just figure out how can I do that better? But it's not always about your product. It just could be about your customer. And maybe at that moment, they're not ready to buy, but you never know when they may come back to you. Yeah, that's a good tip. It's such a good point because experience is part of the brand. It's not just your logo. It's the experience of people interacting with you and your product and your company. So what is the difference between designing solely based on what you like, the difference between that and what your customers like? Listen to them. That's how I ended up with the different jewelry lines, the different products that I have, listening to them. Customers will give you ideas. When I first put out a line of product, I knew that they loved the one that I had made for myself years ago, but how do I expand upon that? And when I did, when they would come and purchase from me, I knew which ones were hot items, which ones were not. They would ask me, well, not everyone wears a name badge, but I love what you have. I love the concept. So what I did was took that. I said, I can make it and put charms on it. So there's a sale because now I converted it to be something functional for them. So then came the magnetic brooch because not everyone wears a badge. So it's about listening to the customers. Then it's up to you to be able to take and internalize that and produce it. Listening to the customers. Wow. You truly do have an entrepreneurial mind, which is fantastic. I'm like so in awe of you. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. I actually have a question. Are you yourself creating a thousand brooches or do you have a scale up system? I don't necessarily make a thousand brooches at one time. However, I need to be situated so that if I need to, that I can. You want to make sure you have ample amount of supplies. There goes to that business plan. How many do I need to sell to make what I need to in this month. So then you're looking at that plan and that's your goal, but that plan will do no good if you don't have the supplies to meet it. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. To get the better price, you have to typically order a larger quantity. Do you have the time to handle large orders? Is that part of your team? I enlist the help of individuals. I have a neighbor, she's not working, so I can call her up and she will assemble. So I have a team of uh, individuals to help me with assembly. When I went full time, that fell into 2020, which was the era of COVID. We're still just now coming out of this, right? But I still had to thrive and make my jewelry. So it does take having a team available. That kind of was a little bit tricky, but my process is so good now that I can produce even myself 100, 200 in a day's time. That's no problem. Because everything that I sell, it comes through my hands, I make. You know, having good processes as well, because it comes down to quality of your product. That is also part of your brand. Speaking of brand, can you speak to your experience with developing your brand? And do you have any any suggestions or ideas for somebody who wants to build their creative brand? I would say the brand for me, it evolved over a period of time. What your business looks like in the initial stages is not typically how it's going to end up looking. 
because you're going to start out with that logo, but you can also, what you'll find is that if you enlist the help of someone, that's what they do. They specialize in that. They can help you with branding. A lot of this can be very expensive when you're starting up, especially when it comes to logos and color makes a difference. There are some colors that I used initially, and I was actually working with someone else and they gave me another batch of colors and I tried to use those, but it just didn't give me that feeling. Yes. And when it didn't give me that feeling, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is just not me. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's gold, it's pretty for someone else. Even on my website, there was purple at one point. It was beautiful, but it didn't do anything for me. I said, I don't even own anything that's purple. That's just <laughs> not me. Building a brand, it takes time. If it makes you feel good, you have to always keep your customers in mind as well. If it were them, how would they view it? How would they see it? Invest a little time in your business to try to get some that expert to come in and just kind of help you. Very important point. And I think you've kind of talked about there's the website and how your brand looks on it. There's the business brand, that overarching that comes from your business plan. And then there's the personal professional brand, which is you that you represent every time you engage with a customer. And all three of those, even though you want to think of them separately, they all come together. Now that I'm remembering the motto that you sent us, which is stay grounded and focused by having your core values in place. Can you talk a little bit about how that reflects your experience in your journey becoming an entrepreneur? Absolutely. I think that no matter what you do in this life, being an entrepreneur or it just doesn't matter to me, whatever it is, you need to stay grounded and focused. And your core values is what's going to drive that. You have to keep those in place. That makes you stay true to who you are. And when I wrote that quote, and it ties back to my mother, that's what she was about. You know, she always had her her values in place. I knew what her values was and how she just had this care and and love and giving. That's just who she was. So you just have to stay focused. You know, and I also say I will expand upon that because the bigger question is your why. Because when you're entering into a business, it's one thing to want to make money. We can make money doing many things. However, it's how you do it. It's why you do it. Because for me, QB stands for something. I want to be in a position where I grow and scale. How am I giving back? How am I living? What am I doing for someone else? I'll tell anybody, it does no good to make all the money in the world and have fancy cars and a big house on a hill if you're there by yourself. So how are you contributing, giving to charities or just doing something? And it's important, important to me that no matter who I work with, who's on my team, What are their values? Do they have the same values that I have? Because that's important. When you have someone, when you're building your team, you want to make sure that whoever you have with you, they have some good core values as well. If they don't, if they don't, it's not going to align and it's not going to work. So I think no matter what it is that we do in life, you know, in businesses, you have to stay focused and keep those core values in place. Yeah. Having done this interview with you, Judy, I can say that you definitely are your mother's daughter. I don't know your mother personally, but I know her through you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That means a lot. It does. does. It absolutely means a lot. Any type of grief, losing a a mother, that is a grief that it's hard. How do you cope? How do you deal with that? Well, you just turn 
that grief into something bigger than yourself. You turn that into, it's just so much. Thank you for saying that. This is not <laughs> Part of no, I didn't know. But when you said it and you compared it to your mom, the very first thought I had, at first I got chills. And then the very, very next thought is, I'm sure I know your mother through you. I was actually thinking yeah. to myself, that is QB's kid. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I struggled with that loss for, and I, to this day, it's still a void, right? But how do I take that loss and that grief and make it into something joyful and meaningful? Because that's what she meant to me and so many other people. But it just, you know, staying busy and, and doing for others, it just helps me so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, to help our audience get to know you even better, in addition to being QB's kid, <laughs> uh, I'm just curious, how do you make time to relax? In other words, what is it you like to do in your spare time? You know, I don't do it as often as I used to, but I love it. I sing. I love singing. Ooh. Oh, my. That's my greatest joy. It's, it's something that I'm really passionate about. And at one point, that passion kind of fizzled because my mother was my biggest fan. No matter where I performed or what I did, she was right there. Mm. And um, it's one of those where I had to find my way back to. But I just love it. It's, I just feel when I sing, I just feel... I just feel free. I sing as if she can hear me. Mm, when I do oh. certain songs, I'm like, you know, she would have loved that. You know, I'm <laughs> so, sure she can beautiful. and does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been a joy to have as yes. a guest on our show. Thank you so much for being here. Would you tell listeners how they can learn more about your company and about you and even how they can connect with you? Well, you can find me at qbsid.com. You can read more about me, my story. You can find some of my wonderful products there. I'm also on Facebook as QB's Magnetic Creations. I also have an Instagram page. You can go there and you can see, you know, some videos of how to use my product. Or you know what? The cool thing is if you ask Alexa or Siri where you can find magnetic jewelry, Typically, they will point you to QB's. Speaking of Alexa, <laughs> I don't know, listeners, if you heard that, but are mentioning it. Alexa, Alexa was telling <laughs> where to find magnetic jewelry. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, definitely. <laughs> But if you Google QB's magnetic jewelry or magnetic jewelry, people can find me in a number of different ways. But the main, the best way is at QBSID.com or check me out on Facebook and Instagram. It's QB's Magnetic Creations. Awesome. Perfect. Listeners, you can also get the links, details, and information about Judy, her jewelry, and capture her motto by visiting our website at stickybrandlab.com forward slash resources. Be sure to come back next Tuesday and every Tuesday for another informative, inspiring, and motivating episode. And remember, action creates results. So tap into your desire to create a business and brand you love by taking 1% action every day. Small steps, big effects. Do you have questions about creating a personal brand, side hustle, or small business? Sign up for one of our clarity sessions. For more information, contact us at stickybrandlab.com forward slash contact. Alexa, where can I buy magnetic jewelry?
You can find magnetic jewelry on Amazon. No. Amazon's nope, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Run not it. Answer. <laughs> <laughs> I must not have asked the question right.